millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Oh, Mark, we're back. We're back after our week off. How's it feel? Excited? I'm pumped. Refreshed. Refreshed. Yeah. You look refreshed. You look, I do, you look don't I? For it. You've had a shave. You've got yep. your hair back. You've done your hair for a change. You're not wearing a hat or a, yep. you know, or I've a, got a shirt on. Or a beanie, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Got a shirt on for a change. Normally you're there bare chested. Yeah. With the, Looking sharp, mate. With the Austin Powers rug. <laughs> yes. Oh, Jesus. You'd have, an, you'd have an Aussie Powers rug for sure. I don't. No. No. No, 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 no. Mate, I'm looking at your beard. It just go. It just looks like it keeps going down. I reckon that it builds into the. It just stops there, mate. It doesn't okay. go any further than that. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. you, 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 I can see you're jealous of my beard, aren't you? It's a good beard. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'd thank you. Clean up the neck a bit if I was to be totally critical, but you know. Yeah, I mean, but that's if I'm actually genuinely going for a beard look. I'm just right. going for a rugged look. I'm not going for the beard. Like to be fair, last week I got to the point where I got to a length. Yeah, I was seriously, seriously contemplating growing the beard again. And I, I shaved, um, well, trimmed with a beard trimmer to the lowest point underneath up to my the jawline. Yep. So, and I looked at myself in the mirror and went, nah, shaved oh. it all off. <laughs> and I just went the lowest all the way along. I've got to say, I always forget when we start a podcast, I always forget what we're supposed to be doing every single time. It's always <laughs> about the food or about your beard and or your chest hair. Just get lost. I get lost I in the, the excitement of, an, of you know, being able to sit down with you for another week. You know what the thing is? Luckily, we don't get sidetracked very easily. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's try and get back on track. Come on, put your horse blinkers on. Uh, of course, here in the Two Sharp Reds, we love tasting a bottle of the Burgundy Grape. And throughout uh, the episode, we won't just talk about football. We will talk about the wine. And then at the end of the episode, we will compare that uh, wine to a player past or present. I've gone from a low this week, a really nice cheap number from uh, the equivalent of little uh, oh, really? in, in Bermuda. Uh, yep. it's, I've gone for the St. Emiliano Grand Cru because I like Cru. So I thought, well, let's just go for it. Yep. Okay, cool. That sounds interesting. Um, St. Emilion, fantastic area. I've been there. Wonderful wine area. Ooh. Yeah. It, now you must go. Get a chance. Go. Sort of it's Bordeaux wonderful. region. Is that sort of... It's not far, yeah. Very close yeah. to it. Yeah. And it's, um, it's World Heritage listed, the village itself, Santa Maria. Right. So full of tourists um, and everything else. But it's a really picturesque, beautiful little place. And obviously, Lovely. pretty much every second shop is a wine cellar of sorts, um, which you know, goes without saying. But yeah, very beautiful. Very Sign beautiful. me up. Yeah. So anyway, this week I've gone for Shock Horror, another Spanish one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fincas de Lebrel. Rioja Reserva, 2014. And it's actually a cheeky bottle of wine that I brought back with me from Spain last year. Uh, So I have had it before and I have started again. It's got 90 points, um, apparently. So on the wine listing and 90 points. 
So it's got like a little gold, gold little uh, badge on it. So that's pretty cool. Seven um, years old too, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not bad, is it? Oh, look at him. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it's funny enough when you said little equivalent. Well, this is actually I can you know I've just looked it up again. It is actually on sale at one of those places. Yeah. Um, and the very likes and uh, seven ninety nine. Wow. Ouch. I wouldn't pay that much money for a bottle of wine. I didn't pay that much in Spain. Of course not. That is three to four euros north of anything that you would ever consider. That's unbelievable. Absolutely. And this is a very, very special occasion. I've got my friends over from Bilbao and we're down in, down the south of Spain. Then I have to go out and buy the 10 euro bottle of wine. It's a Bilbao wine. Yeah. And to be fair, there's a couple of them are real wine snobs. And it's, if it's not the Bilbao wine, they're not interested. They know. Yeah, they know. They they know because you obviously got it in the bottle. But if I were even to to decanter it, they would know. All right, mate, let's get stuck into the football. So much we need to talk about. Uh, look, I think the probably the, what, the starting point that makes the most sense has to be the League Cup. We had fans back, Man City versus Tottenham. Pep Guardiola, an absolute legend of the managerial world, uh, taking on Ryan Mason. <clears throat> um, stiff for him. Uh, of, uh, as we know, Man City went on to win 1-0, uh, but hats off to Tottenham for, for holding on for as long as they did. Wow, was it hats on? Hats off, sorry, for holding on as long as they did? A little bit. I think it could have, it could have gone south very quickly. Yeah, but the only reason it didn't go south very quickly is because Manchester City just didn't take, make the most of their opportunities. I have to say, Toby Alderweireld, absolutely unbelievable performance. I thought he was brilliant. His block in the first half onto the post was, was sublime. Second half, there was some brilliant, brilliant uh, last-ditch defending that he did. Um, I thought he was outstanding for, for Tottenham. And, and I would say probably the most outstanding player uh, for Tottenham on the pitch by a long way. Um, Man City, absolute brilliant first half. The only thing that was missing were more goals. Uh, they, were, they were exceptional. And, uh, well, goals full stop in the first half. Um, second half, it was a little bit of a drop-off, uh, which sometimes you would kind of expect. And I don't know, Kevin De Bruyne just looks exhausted. After about 55, 60 minutes, and I know he was injured and he's come back again and he's had a bit of a stop start, but I just think he's ha- he, he has looked so exhausted for the vast majority of this season. And yeah, they are playing in every single tournament there is uh, on the planet and they are getting towards the back end of every single one of them, which you kind of expect from Manchester City. Um, but I'm just worried. I'm worried, is he going to be able to perform at the levels we expect Kevin De Bruyne to perform and they're going to need him? against PSG midweek. That's, that's crucial. I'll tell you who else, uh, who else looked incredibly tired was Harry Kane. We knew sort of going in that that injury against Everton was, you know, I'm sure he did, wasn't 100%, but he didn't look good, Deja did he? vu. Is it yeah. not deja vu? Yeah, it is. For the, you know, for the Champions League final against Liverpool. Yep. You know, the, the difference was, obviously, he was out for a longer period of time leading up to that Champions League final. Was he going to start? Was he not? Was he going to start? They starting. And in the Champions League, they, unfortunately, I, I think they should have... Firstly, the mistake was playing him, right? To start him. Should never have started him. And it's easy on hindsight. And I know it's such a difficult decision because it's Harry Kane and how good he is, how important he is. And you say, well, if he's fit, he's got to start. Well, I don't think that's always the case, particularly when someone's out for so long. When you look at the game on the weekend, the performance, he just looks sluggish. He looked off the pace, as, as did Son and everyone else. But Harry Kane, for me, stood out. Mm. Um, I thought the other player that played, played pretty well for Spurs at times was Lucas Moura. 
and he was the first player to be subbed. And that's a typical, he seems to be always that player they take off first, um, which was disappointing. And you could see him being disappointed when he got taken off. But again, I, I, I know, listen, it's, it must be, must be such a difficult decision to, to make to who is that person going to be that leaves Harry Kane out of the side when he declares himself fit. And for Ryan Mason to make that decision would have been next to impossible, you know. But mm. for me, it's just deja vu. It's, it's Harry Kane not being 100% fit. I would have, I would have, oh, I don't know, would I have? <laughs> I'd like to think that you kind of go, you know what? He doesn't look right. And you've got to take him, either take him off. If you decide to go with him, you've got to take him off. And if you don't go with him, you bring him on with 20 minutes, half an hour to go, 40 minutes to go, whatever. You want to bring him on half time, bring him on half time. I just think that he wasn't in any shape to start. Again, like the cup final of the, uh, the European Cup, sorry, Champions League a couple of years ago. Would you have started Bale? Would I have started Bale? Yeah, I probably would have. If I hadn't started Harry Kane, I would have started Gareth Bale. Yeah. That's what he's there for. He, play, he performs in big games or has, had, has performed in big games in the past. He scored last week. Start him. Harry Kane's not fit. He's not ready. He's not ready. Even though technically he was fit, he just looked, again, so sluggish. And, and listen, I'm, I'm a massive fan of Harry Kane. He is world-class when he's fit, when he's 100% fit and he's ready to go and he's got some you know, uh, consistency, con- continuity. He's got flow because, he's, you know, game after game. He just looked way off the pace. 2017, uh, Harry Kane said, if in three years' time I haven't won a trophy, it'll be very disappointing. Now, that's obviously, I mean, (laughs) that's a pretty obvious statement, right? Because, yeah, of course it'd be disappointing. But it's interesting that he gave himself a three three to four-year timeline almost. And now we're sitting here, the trophy list for another season. Yeah. He's going to be very disappointed. But he was 20, he's 27 now, right? So yep. three years ago, well, you know, he's 24 years old. And I get that, you know, he's showing loyalty. Not only is he showing loyalty, listen, Tottenham are paying him really well. It goes hand in hand. So they've, they've rewarded him with a really good contract, but he's also showing that loyalty because Harry Kane could have almost gone anywhere then. And he could probably almost go, well, technically could almost go anywhere now. It's just that fewer clubs probably are in a position to be able to buy someone like Harry Kane than they were three years ago. Yep. But he was never to know that, nor were any of us that the, the current climate is, is as such it is. And, and even if you think about three years ago, looking at that Spurs squad, do you think, yeah, actually, you'd be hugely, not even, not just disappointed, hugely disappointed if they would, if, had they not won anything. And I think that goes without saying. Spurs fans must be hugely disappointed that Tottenham, in this period of time, over the last three years, with the players that they have had, the levels of which they were playing at, the performances they were putting in, and they've still got nothing to show for it in terms of, in terms of silverware. Mm. Of course, there were enormous amounts of strides made because they made it to a Champions League final. You know, the, the, uh, fighting it for the title in, in 2016, they went all the way almost. You know, that was the beginning of it. And they, didn't, they just weren't able to go to another level. And listen, let's be honest. On Sunday, they held on. They held on for life. And they were just fortunate that, uh, that uh, Man City lost that little bit of edge, that little bit of cutting edge, that ruthlessness that they've had in the past because that could have been embarrassing. Um, and you've got to, you've still got to take your hat off and go, you know what, okay, fair play. Yes, Tottenham did hang on. They hung on for, for, for their life. They rode their luck. They got away with stuff, but they didn't take advantage of it. 
And I suppose a good uh, barometer as well for figuring out just how disappointed Kane would be. Uh, Phil Foden, 20 years of age, he's won his seventh competitive cup, four league cups, two Premier Leagues and an FA Cup. And obviously he's just about to win another Premier League as well. So when you're looking at a kid at that age who's won seven of them, you're thinking, hmm, yeah, that's I not think, right. I think the better example is actually Kyle Walker. Because Kyle Walker was at Spurs and decided yeah. to make that move to Manchester City. Heavily criticised, ostracised at Tottenham to a large degree because obviously they would have been desperate to keep hold of him, but he was adamant he was going to go. And he did. And look at his career and look at his, look at his trophy cabinet. And Harry Kane, I, I, would, I would think, be sitting there a little bit going, hmm, I, I, I should have, could have. Didn't and I almost regretted a little bit that I didn't make that move and that decision to move on. Um, and because I think once you get to a certain level, right? So, you know, the level of Harry Kane, England captain, you know, year after year, there or thereabouts, leading goal scorer, if not the leading goal scorer uh, in the league, not just at Spurs, in the league. As good a player he is, he's still at Spurs and not won anything. And that's the the most heartbreaking thing because you get to a level point where the money is one thing. And of course players play to earn a living and it's for their future and their family and all sorts of stuff. But for guys at that level who, who are then going on to that next level, they're, they're, de- they're determined or, or desperate to win silverware to back it up, to, to show for, for their amazing career. Yes, they've got all the money in the world, but even after playing football, people generally, judge people on what they accomplished in the game. How many sil- how much silverware did they win? And unfortunately, with someone like Harry Kane, it's, it's, it just isn't enough for a player of his calibre. Uh, Mark, just finally on the, the cup final, um, my arch nemesis uh, in the footballing world, uh, Emmerich Laporte, got the winner for Man City. But should he have you're just upset because you he, he didn't like Vegemite. No, and he was a bit rude to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah, he was I, a I, bit know. Rude. I, I know the story, and I, I heard about it. And there, listen, we've all had those. We've all got our nemesis in the game. Yeah, and you, but, uh, yeah, exactly. And you never shut up about yours. So you know, yeah, I can't believe you just get over it. I don't know why you're <laughs> carrying on about it. So every week you bring it up because yeah. Laporte it just didn't like your Vegemite, didn't like your gag, and now you're whinging about it again. Didn't like my gag. If, I think you'll I find it was Optus's gag that made me. Would, as if I would do that. Look, <laughs> should my arch nemesis, Emmerich Laporte, have been sent off before halftime? I think he mm-hmm. might have. He probably should have. No. No, no, no. The reason I say that is, right, okay, so he's a defender. He's smart enough. Yep. You know, defenders will, will, will do a professional foul when need, when need to do, right, need be. So he, he gets away with the first one. Yep. It's not his fault. He gets away with the first one. So he's still, he's got that free hit. To a degree, right? A free hit within the yellow card band. So then that second challenge, which potentially should have been his or could have been his second yellow, would not occur, not have occurred had he been booked the first time. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't have jumped in. He would have dropped back and someone else probably would have taken on the, on the, on the, uh, the baton to commit the professional foul. That's, that's how it works. So I'm not buying into it. I'm not, I'm not buying into he should have been sent off. He should have had a yellow card before. The only reason, the only thing I would say is he should have had a, red, a yellow card the first time. And the second one, he wouldn't have inflicted the, uh, the, 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 the foul. And therefore, maybe the play would have out, played on and maybe Spurs would have had a chance or someone else would have been receiving a yellow card and not Laporte. 
Mark, let's move on to uh, one of the more... Uh, look, we like to be insanely positive here on the Two Sharp Reds, but sometimes we have to look at the, the sadder uh, points of the league, and that's a relegation update. Okay, go on. Sheffield United, me. done. See ya, boom. See you later. Yeah. See you another you time, buddy. Good luck. Are you surprised? You're not surprised. No, no, not surprised. Just, just sort I'm of... surprised they won the other day. Yes, well, I mean, how frustrated would you be as a bloody Sheffield United fan? You go, right, well, thanks for that. Thanks for turning up now. No, uh, no, but... Even more so, how, how frustrated must you be for as being a Brighton fan? Yeah, true. I mean, Sheffield United haven't won in, in however long, what, 26 games or whatever it is, or, or something silly. Hadn't won for so long. That's probably wrong, but they hadn't won in so many games. I think they've yep. lost 26 games, if that's right. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, they go ahead and win against Brighton. I mean, mind you, Brighton, I thought, were, were way below par and probably deserved it. So we're now looking at, uh, at Brighton in 17th, Fulham in 18th, yep. West Brom in 19th. So West Brom are a funny one because they're showing some serious signs, but they're just running out of time. Is, is, is that all it's going to come down to, do you think? Um, yeah, well, it is. It certainly is. I mean, what? When you look at it, they're five games to go. Yep. Wolverhampton, and, and, Arsenal, Liverpool, West Ham, Leeds. It's a pretty tough run in. Yeah. So I, when I look at it and you go, right, okay, West Brom now on 25 points after, after only picking up a point against Villa. They, they're kicking themselves they didn't pick up all three points. So they still would have only been on 27. They still would have been seven points behind Brighton. Actually, let's make it eight because their goal difference is so bad. Um, minus 34, whereas Brighton's only minus six. So it's, 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 it's eight points, really. Yep. Um, they still, I mean, you know, I, I've said it on lots of times on the podcast, momentum is everything. West Brom win, there's, there is a chance and a pretty, and, and a, a relatively decent chance they'll go on this, they'll continue that run because it just builds confidence and builds momentum. We did it with, with Leicester. 15, 16 season, sorry, 14, 15 season, um, whereby last 10 games of the season, one eight, drew one, lost one, stayed up. Yep. Actually stayed up by quite considerable amount of battle points, Christmas time or bottom. So it is possible. And West Brom were heading that way. They just needed to hold on to that point, that extra two points. I think that could be the... <laughs> I don't want to say it's defining moment in this phase of play. It's not defining moment of their season because, you know, at, at the end of the season, when you play 38 games, you get relegated, you've played, you, you deserve to get relegated. You're there, you're going down because over the course of the entire season, you haven't been good enough. But at this phase, this phase of the season, they've been good enough to give themselves a chance. I just think, I just feel that could potentially knock the stuffing out of them. And I, don't, I just don't see Fulham. Fulham had their run. They just didn't win enough games. They, yeah. they drew a lot of games. They were, played some really good stuff. They just didn't have enough up top. They couldn't finish games off. They couldn't get that win. So I, I actually see, and I said it a, a couple of weeks ago, um, the bottom three as are, are going down. Obviously, Sheffield United are already gone. So the, the, the remaining two places, I think, are done and dusted. I don't think it's going to change. I think Brighton need one more point, and that's enough. You do have to say, though, with Brighton's run in, they've got Leeds, Wolverhampton, West Ham, Man City and Arsenal. So out of the three of those teams, that's, that's the toughest run in. And I don't... I mean, maybe Wolverhampton, they could, they could get something. You know, uh, I actually think Brighton on 34 points will possibly have enough. Really? Just as is? Yeah. Mm. I, I just think Fulham just looks so dejected, so gone. 
West yeah. Brom, like I said, that could be the stuffing out of them now. That could be the the halt in that momentum. Jeez, and we do, and we don't like Brighton anymore either, do we? So I'm I'm no, sort of no, no, no we've no, gone off them. No, They've kicked Matty out, but no, we don't like Brian. Yes, see you later. Well, time is running out. It is going to be fascinating to see who's going out of the Premier League. But, of course, we're starting to figure out who is coming back into the Premier League and talking. Uh, it's amazing to think, uh, Mark, that we could have the three teams that were relegated last season come straight back up. So we know that Norwich and Watford are coming back into the Premier League. But then we've got our championship playoff teams. They're set with Swansea, Brentford, of course, last year's Premier League side in uh, Bournemouth, and then Barnsley. Unbelievable run from Barnsley. Who would you like to see in the Premier League in the next season and why? Uh, you know, from the fairy tale side of me wants Barnsley to mm-hmm. get But, you know, is it going to be just up, poke your head up, you know, get a bit of a breather in the off season. And then after that, you, you're, you're literally, you're sinking all the way through the season. Um, it'd be incredible story. It'd be up there with being, you know, being um, one of these stories of the decade if Barnes yeah. were able to get promoted. I mean, it is absolutely remarkable. Um, so my heart wants Barnsley to be promoted. Um, I also have a little bit of a soft spot for Bournemouth because Jonathan Woodgate's the manager, you know, ex-teammate of mine at Middlesbrough, and it gives him an unbelievable opportunity, you know, now to 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 try and get his managerial managerial career back on track after his time at Middlesbrough. And then you kind of want, I also there's a side of me that wants Brentford to do well mm. because they play some really good football, you know, they've gone against the rubber of the green in terms of you know, their, their plan, their, their whole ethos within the club. They got rid of their junior systems. They played this like money ball kind of uh, approach that has in baseball, obviously, as we first heard about it, um, or, or certainly came to light, um, was, was, you know, something that was kind of talked about and used in some places around football, but never really been that successful, certainly not long-term, but Brentford are stuck with it and have done incredibly well with it. I mean, you know, you, you, you look at Ollie Watkins that came through, now what he's done at Villa and how well he's adapted to the Premier League. Ivan Tony, what an exciting prospect that is. You know, you look at his career, I mean, he's 25 years old. He's not like he's young. He's young, young. I mean, he's still in a decent age, right? But, you know, if you look at it, he scored 28 goals in the championship. So 42 games. I mean, he's a guy that played, you know, lower league football prior to being at, uh, at Brentford. And, He's just continued to progress. Each level that he goes up, he continues to score goals and I think surprise people at how well he's adapted. I would kind of, I'd actually like to see them in the Premier League to see how good he is the Premier League, what he could do. And then the other question is, if they do get promoted, will they be able to keep hold of him? Because does he want to be in a team that's possibly going to be fighting, well, they will be fighting against survival, or will someone else come in for him because of how good a season he's had? I wouldn't be surprised if one of the one of the existing established Premier League clubs come in for him. And, and Brentford, I think, will definitely sell him if they don't get promoted. But if they get promoted, they'll probably try and keep hold of him. I think uh, if we look at as well Bournemouth and Swansea, Mark, I think is just sort of selfish, you know, fans, yeah, you know, neutral fans. I think it'd be a bit boring to see Bournemouth come up and we have all the same three teams. I think as a neutral, that would be a little. Boring. That's the first time ever. So it's creating history. 
you know, I guess so. It's kind of like it's also pretty special if that were to happen. Definitely, because Definitely everyone on goes. Paper. Yeah, because everyone goes. The three teams that get relegated are generally always in the box seat to get promoted again because you know the parachute payments, all that sort of stuff. It's never happened before. Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. I got a bit excited there, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> you did, didn't you? So, I mean, that in itself is pretty impressive. Um. So, okay. So, I'm going to say. I don't want Brentford to get promoted because I want Ivan Tony then to be sold to yep. another club in the Premier League and then give a good chance for him to hit the ground running with better players in general around him and hopefully does really, really well because I love his story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then, and then it leaves me with Bournemouth, Swansea or Barnsley. Um, I just feel if Barnsley got promoted, they'd be the whipping boys. Yeah. Swansea, I don't know. I don't know. They've been there, done that. Made a bit of a mess of it. Struggled for a long time. Bournemouth. I'd like to see Bournemouth come up. And I'd like... Because I think they've got a pretty solid squad. And I'd like to see if they stuck with someone like Jonathan Woodgate, how he would cope with being in the Premier League. Um, and if not, then who would take them on? You know, obviously, it's not... You know, it's a, it's a, it's a different era and with Bournemouth and no Eddie Howe. And Bournemouth are synonymous with Eddie Howe. And all the success that Bournemouth have had particularly of, of over the last sort of 10, 15 years, is yeah. all been directly related to Eddie Howe's involvement. It's, it's funny you should bring him up. I'm so shocked he's not got a gig already. I think his last couple of seasons at Bournemouth have raised a few eyebrows. I think it's raised a few questions. I think people are questioning um, he's he's well whether he has the ability to adapt to, to evolve with the times um you know if you look at the Bournemouth side he he pretty much any player with a big name with a bigger bigger name that they brought in they paid money for and brought in yeah. he struggled with they very very rarely ended up being an established player and a regular in his side he yeah. always went back to his players that he had tried and tested that he brought up and with the various through the various divisions my question about Eddie Howe is there's no doubting he's, he, he's, he's a talented manager, but is he a talented manager with a specific club mm. and not one where you've got to deal with bigger name players? I think he has a problem with dealing with bigger name players. Mark, speaking of big name players, the Premier League Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Just take a moment yeah. to congratulate our two inductees in, of course, Terry Henry and Helen Shearer. Um, What's the little uh, little you know forty five minute doco on on Shearer? Oh, love him, so good to watch, wasn't he? Just, what was your favourite bit about him? I liked that. What was my favourite bit? Look, he's very old school, which I loved, but I also liked his approach to where he would move next. I really liked seeing behind the scenes of his move to Southampton, then to Blackburn, and then. It was that crossroads that we talked about a couple of weeks ago with, with Harry Kane. And I, I knew it at the time, but I was quite young, so just sort of watched the, you know, the motions go. But seeing sort of behind the scenes where he essentially said that, look, Manchester United was done and dusted. It was ready to go. And then I went, actually, no. All I've ever wanted to do is score at St. James's Park in the white and black. I'm just going to have to do it. And I love that. I just love do you that think, about though, Do you think, though, because he won the Premier League title with Blackburn, it's yep. like there's a massive tick. I've done that. Huge tick. So, therefore, 
if I go to United, that's kind of a formality that you're going to do it. Plus, it's a different pressure because now there's an expectation every week to win it. Yep. At Blackburn, you didn't have an exp- expectation to win the league. It was like Leicester. Yep. It was a free hit. Whatever happened in that season, you were winners. Then going to Newcastle, there's a different pressure because it's their golden child coming back to St. James's Park. And maybe this will be the, the, the key ingredient that's going to help us go on to becoming the, the Newcastle that everyone was hoping for in the Northeast, or, or certainly all Geordie fans. And we're going to win silverware. We're going to be competitive. We're going to go to push to win the league. I don't know. I, 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 wonder, I wonder if he has any regrets about that decision. Not, not, not the fact that he's gone back to his, mm. to his club, like to his hometown, but maybe that he should have gone to United firstly, gone for a couple of years and then gone back to, to Newcastle. Yeah. Because he still well, could have done that. He still yeah. could have gone. He still could have gone to Man United when he's at the pinnacle of his career, play a, three seasons there, two, three, four seasons there, win everything he can possibly win and then go back to, to, to Newcastle. And there were, t- there were times as well when they were changing manager, you know, quite yeah. often that he wanted to go as well at that point. So maybe yes. that could have been, you know, a bit yes. of a regret. Timing is everything. And, and hindsight's always a wonderful thing. I still, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of get the feeling he felt like I've accomplished that by winning the Premier League title. So yeah, I can go to United where everyone kind of expects you to win and the pressure's there to win everything. And, and maybe, maybe, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. Maybe it was too far out of his comfort zone. Yeah. Not to say that going back to his home club was an easy ride because it wasn't. It, and I know what it's like in the Northeast. And I know what it's like for anyone who's been in the club for a long, long time. But I also know even more so what it's like for a player that is born and bred in that area. Stuart Downing is a great example. And we've, we've, we've talked to him about it. Yeah. The pressures that come with that. And Alan Shearer's on a different level altogether. So... I can imagine those, those pressures would have been unbelievable. But it's almost like at times you could have done nothing wrong. And even when things weren't going so well on the football pitch, the managers were under pressure if then they didn't play him. Or if there was a falling out, it, was never, it wasn't, couldn't have been Alan Shearer's fault. It had to be the manager because he's their golden child. So that's how it was interpreted for me. So that's how I interpret a lot of the situation. So I wonder if he looked back, he looked back at it and goes, you know what? I should have gone for a couple of seasons. And then had my finale, even still at a young, youngish age, yeah. whereby then maybe I could have gone back and, and, and had some success or at least gone back and scored and did my thing at St. James's Park like he'd always dreamt of doing. Do you reckon Thierry Henry, do you reckon he's got any regrets? Regrets of taking the, the, uh, the, the managerial job at Monaco. Yeah, yeah that would have been. <laughs> Probably regrets never playing for Tottenham. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> settle down. Uh, no, uh, listen. Uh, uh, in terms of his football career, nah, I wouldn't have thought so. I, I even don't think he regrets going to Juve because Juve led him onto the path of going to Arsenal. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it's like me. I, I don't. Look, well, I'm not comparing myself to you. Yeah, no, it's about, no, it's exactly like you. Go no, on. but if, if you talk about your career paths, I, I don't have a regret. I, I, I have. I don't have a regret. I have the odd regret here and there. But in terms of when I look at various moments in my career and why I made certain decisions and, and, and also the experiences that I did actually have throughout my career, those first two and a half years in Germany, I would never change for anything. Even though they were, they were the worst times of my career, I wouldn't change it because yeah. it helped mold and make the person I became. 
because it gave me all those experiences. It gave me all the heartache and the, and the tough times and the moments where I actually had to roll my sleeves up. You either sink or swim. And I was able to just keep my head above the water. And mm. from there, I grew and, and, and gained from the experience. And I reckon for someone like Thierry Henry, that experience in Italy probably drove him on even more. Gave him that little bit more of an incentive. Won't be long, I promise. Back to Ollie and Mark in just 15 seconds. If you enjoy Two Sharp Reds, though, make sure you search The Gig and Pod wherever you get your podcasts. David Weiner is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field. It's a great listen. G-E-G-E-N-P-O-D, The Gig and Pod. Okay, back to Two Sharp Reds. Mark, halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds and talk about uh, just, you know, opening a nice bottle of the Merlot, uh, the St. Emiliano Grand Cru that I've got. Um, I opened it up uh, and I read a very interesting story uh, last night. What? What? In the bottle? Because you opened it up. Was it the story in the bottle? Yeah, it was a message in a bottle, I think you'll wow. find. Um, well, well you, are, you are in Bermuda and that could well be possible. <laughs> a legitimate form of communication, exactly. Absolutely. Uh, no, it, it, just on the back of Thierry Henry as well, did you see that uh, Henri, uh, Patrick Vieira, Burkamp, and the guy who owns Spotify want to take over yeah. Arsenal? Unreal. Yeah. That'd be... Well, the guy that owns Spotify, one of the owners from Spotify came out um, during the Arsenal game, wasn't it? When they played at home to Everton. And he said, he tweeted, didn't he, as the game was ongoing about the fact that after the the protests were on, um, that if if the owners were interested in selling, I'd certainly throw my hat into the ring. And then since then, today was announced, uh, well, has been reported that, yeah, Burkamp, Henri, and Vieira would also be kind of part of that whole consortium kind of thing, if that's what you want to call it. Um, interesting, isn't it? Pretty cool. interesting. What you know, you know, it'd be interesting to see that if that were to eventuate, would that mean? I mean, w- would it be? Would they get rid of Mikel Arteta? And if they did, right, who would become manager? Yeah. Because Patrick Vieira wants to be a manager, yeah. and Thierry Henry want to be a manager. What happens there? Yeah. Do they like go and have a have a you know penalty shootout? Do they go and? Have a one-on-one session, determine who goes and becomes manager, who's first team coach, maybe. Um, rock, paper, rock, paper, rock, paper, scissors. Maybe they just put the gloves on and go, you know what? Let's forget that. Let's just put the gloves on and get in the ring. But, I, don't, I don't know what happens. Imagine that. Imagine them taking over and going, yeah. right, the way we're going to determine this is we're going to have a boxing bout. Yep. And we're going to sell tickets. We're going to do it in the Emirates Stadium, right in center pitch. And we're going to have a fight over who's going to become the manager of Arsenal. No, the rules, loser, just in a the loser has to be the loser has to be first team coach. Can't be assistant, be a first team coach. Brilliant. I think it's. It, I think honestly, it's a it, it's a very fair way of working things out because, of course, if it was a penalty shootout, Arteta's already at the bottom because we all know anyone can save an Arteta penalty at this rate. You know. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, can they though? Can anybody? That's the question. Can anybody? I'll leave that I, to you. I know someone who can. Well. Of course. Now I, that you mentioned it, <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I got to say it was a week and a half ago. So it was just before the Fulham Arsenal game that yes, the TV here uh, they were sort of replaying old games of between Arsenal and Fulham, and I was a little sick at the time, and I was in bed, and I just thought I'd watch it. And of course, it was the the game. Or was it two all, three all, three all, uh, three all, and you saved that penalty in the final moments, or well, the last, yeah. kick, the last kick of the game. It was pretty much, I think. Pretty yeah, funny. I, I don't think we, yeah, I think it actually was the last kick. Um, I certainly was laughing. Yeah, I don't think any Arsenal what a moment. were laughing at the time. Yeah, that no, was pretty huge. I, I yeah. sort of forget. No, I'm sure you don't. Oh, um, you, you, you try to remind me. You've forgotten. I can't believe no, you No, I sort of just, 
I don't know. You rewatch it and you go, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> there. <laughs> That's a no, bit was a, we were actually really disappointed in the end because we, I think at one stage we were up 3-1. Yeah. And we were really disappointed because we, you know, it's not like that happens very often, right? So you're able to go to Emirates, go to Arsenal, whether it's Highbury, Emirates, whatever it was, and get a result in terms of, or be in a position of such dominance. When I, I say that, and I've done it, that was actually the third time I've been in that sort of position. I was 3-1 up at Arsenal. Um, can't remember what year it was, but it was the late 90s. Uh, must have been late 90s. Is that right? Late 90s, early 2000s. And we were 3-1 up at uh, Highbury. Ray Parler had just signed for Middlesbrough. Yep. And we came in, um, we were 3-1 up just before halftime. We made it 3-1. We kick off. And as we kick off, so they kick off, Burkamp, and co one twos basically dribbled through our whole team and scored, made it three two and final. And the halftime whistle goes. We went off the pitch at halftime as if we'd been beaten, mm. like the game was done, and um, couldn't believe it. And then we got played the second half. We lost five three. <laughs> oh no! Oh, after the game, we sit in the change room and Ray Parler was just sitting there, dazed, like he's sitting there going, "Oh my god, what just happened there? What like yeah, he's coming from Arsenal? That stuff doesn't happen, really." For them, and I go, mate. Welcome to Middlesbrough. Welcome to welcome to the rest of us. We're not Arsenal, as you know. I said, um, this is what we've had to deal with every year. My years, that lot. Um, yeah, oh, it was a pretty insane. Awful. And the other time was actually at Highbury. We actually beat Arsenal at Highbury three 0 Middlesbrough. Jeez, that's was, a good win. Two two own goals from from Arsenal. Blimey. Yeah, but but we to be fair, we deserved. It. We played really really well. And we put a lot of pressure on it. And they were two own goals, absolutely. But the deliveries into the box were fantastic deliveries that put Arsenal under pressure, the defenders under pressure. And that was the Saturday afternoon. And that meant that Man United actually won the, won the title. Oh, yeah. And so the next day, Man United were playing. But overnight, that meant, that meant the, dump, the title was done and Manchester United won. So, yeah, it was a, a huge game. So it wasn't like Arsenal had not a lot to play for or the position yeah. was secure. They were going for the Premier League title. And we beat them 3-0. You just love stopping people winning the Premier League, don't that's you? That's what you do. When you're one of the lesser clubs, that's what you do. You, you go out there to try and cause the upset. Every yeah. game's a cup final against those big ones, yeah. the big teams, you know? And I got to experience it afterwards at Chelsea is that yeah. every time you play against someone, unless it's obviously the other top five, six teams in the league, for everyone else, it's like a cup final every time. And for a club like Chelsea, Arsenal to lose against a Middlesbrough or Sunderland or whatever it is, what's happened to us at Chelsea, it's, it's like... It's something that, that, that just doesn't happen. It should never happen. And, and that's the mentality is that that result should never, ever happen. Yeah. And there's almost like a massive student's inquiry if that ever does happen. Um, because those clubs are not used to losing games like that. They're, they're not expected to. They're not used to it because they're expected to win everything. And that I can imagine for Arsenal, that's the same. You know, the, the, even amongst the players, the disgust and, and, and the embarrassment they would feel as we did at Chelsea when we lost to Sunderland that year. And I actually played that game. That was the first loss that Jose Mourinho ever suffered at home. Oh, no. And you're in the Yeah, in team. the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, oh, I played, yeah. Geez. Yeah, that's, a good, that's another good stat to be part of, isn't it? <laughs> Short that one up. Mate, it's all good. Uh, remember, we'll, I we'll edit... Keep the... that one, we'll keep that one quiet, right? Yeah, that, that's remember that I edit the podcast so I can... Yeah, exactly. You'll you be fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of Chelsea, massive game this week against Real Madrid and Champions League semi-finals. Oh, I'm pumped for this one. Mate, this is going to be great. Which game. one? Which one? 
<laughs> which one? What do you mean? Which semi-final? Yeah, because like both of them are unbelievable. This is the type of the season, isn't it? This is the the, the, yeah. the time in the competition where you just go. I don't even know which one I want to watch the most. I mean, obviously, obviously, with my 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 affiliation with Chelsea, of course, I want Chelsea to do really well. But what a game! I don't think you can pick either of the games. I think um, Man City, of course, are for me on paper slight slight favourites yep. against PSG. But then I'm sure there's a lot of people who would argue that that's not right. And Real Madrid, Chelsea, geez, I, I, just, I actually don't think you can call it. Really? Yeah, I really don't. I mean, obviously, of course, I hope uh, Chelsea win. I hope Chelsea get to the final. Um, but wow. I mean, Real Madrid, so there's talk in Spain that um, Real Madrid have kind of almost not given up on the league, but kind of that's the second... It's the second thing, you know, it's sort of like the second thing on their mind. The number one thing is they want to win the Champions League. So, yeah, Real Madrid have won it 13 times, the Champions League. So, they're way out in front of AC Milan. Um, so, from, from what I heard is that they're, they're more interested in winning the Champions League than winning necessarily La Liga, which is actually, when I heard it, I, I actually, I still don't believe it. I don't think that's the case because winning La Liga is the kind of the first priority. It's almost like a must mm. for Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um, and it's so tight. One point, um, I think, separates uh, a couple of them, uh, or two points. I think, I think Atletico Madrid two points ahead of Real Madrid and Barcelona. Barcelona have a game in hand, so they could end up going on top. They played midweek. I think they played Granada midweek. Yeah. So Barcelona have been under the radar in terms of, you know, the the the, the you know the, the the kind of the, I suppose the uh, the atmosphere at the club earlier on in the season. Yeah, it just seemed like they're at disarray. It just seems like it was it was chaos, you know. They were kicking out the president. There was there was uprest. There were people going berserk about the the president and the financial situation, the messy situation. Kuman divided whether he was the right choice in manager. I'll tell you what, they've gone about their job, and now they find themselves in pole position. I know they're third right now, but they win. They've got it all in their own hands, mm. and you know, it's going to go down to the wire and. For, for for one second, I don't believe that Real Madrid see the La Liga as sort of their second priority. I think they're equally as important as each other. Winning the Champions League and also winning La Liga for Real Madrid is a must. Mark, we've run out of time here on the two oh, shot it's, it's just that I think it was that week off. You know, we needed it. Flew it flew by. And it now really we're just like... Fly by. Yeah, I yeah. know. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm going to have to cut out about three hours of it, you know, for the, for the actual will. podcast. You yeah. Know. yeah. Uh, uh, no, oh, it was well. a, a very enjoyable episode. And we're coming down to the pointy end of uh, all competitions. And it's just so exciting. So good. Cannot wait to open a bottle of wine and watch some of these games on Optus Sport. And I reckon I might save some of my St. Emiliano Grand Crew uh, that I've had today. A Merlot, one of the most popular wines in the Bordeaux region. Um, uh, you'll be pleased to know that this wine has also passed a special tasting panel. Um, you know, I don't know who was on it. You know, it could have been you for all I know. And that, you know, then obviously that confuses things. But, you know, to pass a panel, that's that's pretty impressive. Nice, dry and firm. I really enjoyed it. So I think I might save some for uh, Champions League this week, Mark. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well, my wine um, is uh, Finca's de Lebrel, Reserva 2014, Rioja, um, pretty standard these days that I go for a Spanish wine. Mm-hmm. It's um, excellent vintage, uh, fine example of modern Rioja with fruit and oak in good balance, dry and not too heavy. This red wine 
He's lightly perfumed with a note of spicy oak, a classy wine such as this would work really well with roast lamb and Sunday roast or stuffed peppers. The stuffed peppers was thrown in there because it's Spanish and that's it. That's the only reason. So, you know, this leads me, I'm going to carry on now because okay, go, on. Yeah. go back to the weekend's game, Tottenham hot Spurs, the only classy player that was on that football pitch for four Spurs on the day. Mm-hmm. The only guy, in my opinion, that delivered a, a level that every Spurs player had to deliver for them to have any chance of being Manchester City. And unfortunately, it was probably only one and a half players that did. Mm-hmm. Um, Toby Alderweireld. Um, I thought he was excellent from start to finish. Really, really classy uh, performance. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's anything else I need to say describing no. Tony Alderweireld, all this red wine. Classy. He's a classy guy. I, I thought you were going to say Hugo Lloris. I thought he was all right on the weekend. No, but in terms of like... Like I said, the level of which they needed to perform a real yep. class performance had to be at that level that Toby yeah. Alvaro did, did perform yeah. at the entire game. And there was no other Tottenham player other than Lucas Moore at times showed yep. a bit of extra class, but not consistently, certainly not as, as, as often as uh, Toby Alvaro. And he had to because Man City was so good, particularly in that first half and second half at times when the game got stretched um, and Alvaro was, was exceptional. And I can imagine uh, Toby's a sort of operator to, to barbecue a nice stuffed pepper as well. You know, I, I can see it. I really can. No, I actually see him going for a, um, a roast lamb or possibly even a Sunday roast okay. rather than a stuffed pepper. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I that's just how I see him. Yeah. I don't well, know him. I don't know him, but that's just the feeling I've got. <laughs> and even if you did, I'd be surprised if you knew that about him. You know? Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, he hasn't invited me over for a lunch or anything so, or a roast dinner. So I'm just guessing really. St. Emiliano Grand Cru, one of the most popular wines in the Bordeaux region. As I said, uh, it's passed a very prestigious um, tasting panel. Nice, dry and firm, straight to the point. And I think it's a a pretty easy one for mine. Maybe it's because uh, we mentioned this guy uh, in today's episode as well. And I'm going to say he's certainly one of the most popular players, or was one of the most popular players in France. Um, He passed one hell of a panel uh, as a, as a, a ute uh, to get into Arsene Wenger's side. And I think generally, if you pass that, that panel test, you know, you're, you're a pretty good player. Uh, nice, dry and firm, straight to the point on the field. And it's going to have to be Patrick Vieira. Yeah, it's going straight to the pool room, mate. That one. Yep. Is that a good one? What a player he is, though. Oh. What a player he was. Oh. What a player. Invin- part of the Invincibles. I mean, that Arsenal side, geez, you must, as Arsenal fans, just, oh. like, seriously, you must, your mouth must water. You must get tingly all over when you think about the yeah, Arsenal yeah. teams of old. And then when you think about the current team, you must cry. Yeah, well, I still feel tingly, but in, a, in just the worst way. Yeah. Yeah, no, but, like, I mean, that's just insane, isn't it? When you think about it, like, that side was... Remember, you know... There is the only team I can see at the moment yeah. that gives you that feeling of every time you play against them, oh my God, we're going to like it's batting down the hatches and we're going to have to dig in. We're going to have to be unbelievable. We're going to have to hope they have an off day to get a result is, is Man City. Yeah. There's there isn't anyone ent- else. They're not as entertaining though, as well. No, they're say? not. They're not. They're not as free flowing, but they still have the ability to tear teams apart, destroy yeah. teams. Their class everywhere you look. Subs bench. I mean, Chelsea have a bit of that X factor as well, but they don't, on the pitch, 
tear teams apart or have the ability to tear teams apart. Not as yet anyway. I'm hoping that'll come with the, the attacking players that they have. But Man City certainly have that still. And, and Liverpool to an extent, but it's so hit and miss these days. I mean, we saw, but let's not forget, they beat Crystal Palace 7-0 this season, which was an insane day. It was like, it couldn't have been any, any different ends of the scale or spectrum. When you look at the performance on the weekend against Newcastle, the amount of chances they had, clear-cut, massive chances that Liverpool had and they couldn't take him. Yeah. And then you go back to the Crystal Palace game, I think they had eight chances, scored seven. Oh, and they were all that. sublime finishes. Like, it, and nothing went wrong. Mm. So it was just one of those days where everything fell into place. It was just incredible. Mark, uh, I lift a, a glass of my Merlot, St. Emiliano crew, to you. Enjoy your week. I look forward to getting back in action, but enjoy your week sitting on the couch. Oh, oh actually, are you are you out anywhere for Optus this week? No, I'm not. No, because Ooh. both games are away from home, and unfortunately, during the pandemic, we are stuck on this island. Yeah. Fortunately enough, our island is bigger than the island you're stuck on. Yeah, I know it is small. It is comically small, but we've got uh, Sail GP on at the moment, and the Aussies oh, are yes. very good. Are very, they? They're in good touch, Mark. Until then, cheers. Cheers. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.